Saturday, my podcast family. Welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. Today, we're in Psalms 85, and I'll be reading this time from the New Living Translation. And it reads, Lord, you poured out blessings on your land. You restored the fortunes of Israel. You forgave the guilt of your people. Yes, you covered all their sins. You held back your fury. You kept back your blazing anger. Now restore us again, O God, to our salvation. Put aside your anger against us once more. Will you be angry with us always? Will you prolong your wrath to all generations? Prolong your wrath to all generations? Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O God, and grant us your salvation. I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. But let them not return to their foolish ways. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, so our land will be filled with his glory. Unfailing love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth springs up from the earth, and righteousness smiles down from heaven. Yes, the Lord pours down his blessings. Our land will yield its bountiful harvest. Righteousness goes as a herald before him, preparing the way for his steps. This psalm was written by the sons of Korah, and it is a lamenting psalm. Did you get the question in verse 5, right? Will you be angry with us always? Will you prolong your wrath to all generations? Remember, that's when we see that type of a question, that's an indicator that it's going to be a lamenting psalm. But this lamenting psalm has an upbeat kind of feeling than, you know, the other lamenting psalms that are written by Asaph. And so it's more refreshing. At least that's how I feel about it when I read it. It's not as heavy as some of the ones that we've covered um, written by Asaph. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, Asaph. I think that's the only way you can. Um, but going back to the psalm, verses 1 through speak, speak to God's Yeah, they speak to God's goodness, his blessings. Notice that the blessing is on the land. It's important for us to remember that the covenant God made with Israel, right, through Abraham, was also tied to the land, the promised land. Remember, that was always a part of the blessing, that they would have a land of their own because they were nomadic. Because remember, he called Abraham out of Ur and told him to go in a land where I will designate for you. And what type of land was this promised land? A land flowing with milk and honey. Now, when I was a little girl, I was just like, I wasn't a milk drinker, but the honey sure appealed to me. (laughs) And so, you know, as a little mind would, I was trying to think of it literally like there were no water fountains. It was flowing with milk and everything. And but in my mind, I could I could figure out that that was a good thing. But we know now as you grow older, it's figurative language, right? It means that the land will be fruitful. It will be productive, That's a land flowing with milk and honey. And if you've been to Israel, as I have, you're kind of like, 
is this the land flowing with milk and honey? Looks like a desert to me. But God knew what he was doing. Remember, they were an agrarian society. Therefore, when God blesses the land, it means that they can grow crops. They can sustain themselves. They can participate in agriculture, right, and create an industry and bargain with neighboring, you know, villages and whatnot. The next set of verses, verses 4 through 7, are the lament. They acknowledge that God is angry with them, but they don't really admit that it was their behavior, their idolatry that caused God's anger. But they plead with him not to remain angry, to restore um, to them a level of relationship that they know has been disconnected through his anger, to be close to him so that they can rejoice in him. This is, you know, and that verse, you know, won't you revive us again so that your people can rejoice in you? In verse 6, for me, is a direct um, contradiction to Psalms 34, 1, where David says that we are to praise God at all times. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, where Paul instructs the church to give thanks in all circumstances. So it's you know, they're saying, you know, help us to get out of this bad situation so that then we can rejoice in you. Mm, we're supposed to rejoice in God all the time. So we can't use that particular verse as an example to follow. Um, it tells us what not to do because it goes back to being one of those sort of if-then statements. You know, we praise God or we rejoice in him because of who he is remember not for what he's done yes we can also praise him for everything that he does for us because he is good but we're also supposed to praise him for him just being God so we must remember that verse 8 gives a hint of Israel admitting that they were the cause of God's anger right speak peace to your your faithful people but let them not return to their foolish ways that's a little hint but it's still not a full-out apology or are they repenting they just want him to help them not to return back to their foolish ways which is good but uh i think it's funny that they know it's it's really god who has to help them so that they won't just like we know, if we want to do anything good, anything worthy, we need God's help in order to do it. Just like with little children, you never need to teach them how to say no. <laughs> they learn that all on their own. To be told to say yes and to say please and to say thank you is something that has to be instructed to them from their parents. And so God, as our Father, has to instruct us to help us to do good things. The last verse, verses are real flowery, aren't they, with their language in describing the goodness of God. I especially like the unfailing love and truth have met and righteousness and peace have kissed. I find that hilarious. But you get the message. Everything is just wonderful. It's, you know, they have rainbows and butterflies right about now. And the very last is the acknowledgement of the land once again being fruitful meaning that they will be able to thrive and to grow and to be a fruitful nation. For us, I think we must concentrate on the trusting God through the difficult times in our lives. That part um, where it says in verse 6, you know, will you revive us again so that we can rejoice in you? 
learning to really praise God at all times, as Paul instructs the church in Thessalonica. And as David says, that he will always have praises in his mouth because God is good. Regardless of what we find ourselves in, we are still to worship God and rejoice in him as he leads us through the difficult seasons of caregiving, of uh, raising children, maybe going through a divorce, a wayward child, a hard boss, whatever it is. In spite of what you're going through, you have reason to praise God. Remember that you are not alone, though, that God is with you, and he's committed to help you through this season. He loves you. This is the reason that you praise him. Right, Learning to praise him in the middle of the storm. While it may be difficult, it is necessary. And it is necessary because in doing so, you transition from seeing God from, so, from, from a standpoint of just what he can do for you. And you transition to recognizing him as God. And it becomes less about what he can do for you. It's just who he is. And who he is is good and worthy of all praise. He's God and he can do whatever he wishes and he chooses to supply you with love, right? He chooses to protect you. He's committed to doing that. God is worthy of your praise, your trust, and your obedience at all times. That's the lesson that I want us to take away from this song. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for being a good God who has poured out your blessings upon the land of our hearts for allowing us to come and worship you and to gather around your word and to dissect it and to understand it and to pick out nuggets that we can then apply to our lives. And today we picked out the nugget of we always want to be able to be grateful to you, to be thankful to you, to praise you regardless of what we're going through regardless of having to care for a loved one who may be difficult at times to deal with or the difficulty in just watching them slip away, the difficulty in the dreams that we had being either set aside for another time or totally dismantled. You never said that it would be easy on this side. You just said that it would be easier with you because your yoke is light. And so we come to you wanting to be mature children and to learn to praise you and worship you and rejoice in you regardless of our circumstances. We know that actually in the bad times, that's exactly the time that we need to praise you and to recognize you for who you are because the enemy would have us think that you have forgotten us, that you've abandoned us, that you are angry with us. But the more we continue to praise you, the more we take the focus off of us, off of the enemy, and we place it on you. And you will bring us out. Your word says that all things will work together for our good. And so we trust you and we ask that you help us to learn to praise you at all times. This we ask in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, my podcast family, enjoy your Saturday and I will talk to you on Monday. Go and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus. Bye.